Around the world men's thoughts will fly Quick as the twinkling of an eye And waters shall great wonders do How strange, and yet it shall come true Beneath the water men shall walk Shall ride, shall sleep, shall even talk And in the air men shall be seen In white and black and even green For in those wondrous far-off days The women shall adopt the craze To dress like men in trousers wear And to cut off their locks of hair They'll ride astride with brazen brow as witches do on broomsticks now there'll be a sign for all to see be sure that it will certain be and love shall die and marriage cease and nations wane and babes decrease as wives shall fondle cats and dogs and men live much the same as hogs pictures alive with movements free boats like fishes beneath the sea when men like birds shall scour the sky then half the world deep drenched in blood shall die then half the world deep drenched in blood shall die. For those who live this century through, in fear and trembling this shall do, flee to the mountains and the dens, to bog and forest and wild fens, for storm will rage and oceans roar, when Gabriel stands on sea and shore, and as he blows his wondrous horn, old worlds die and new be born. Fiery dragon will cross the sky six times before this earth shall die, mankind will tremble and frightened be, for the six heralds in this prophecy. For seven days and seven Seven nights, man will watch this awesome sight. The tides will rise beyond their ken to bite away the shores, and then the mountains will begin to roar. And earthquakes split the plain to shore, and flooding waters rushing in will flood the lands with such a din that mankind cowers in muddy fen and snarls about his fellow men. And when the dragon's tail is gone, man forgets and smiles and carries on to apply himself. Too late, too late for man. Mankind has earned deserved fate His mask smile, his false grandeur Will serve the gods their anger stir And they will send the dragon back To light the sky His tail will crack upon the earth And rend the earth And man shall flee, king, lord, and serf And men will die of thirst Before the oceans rise To mount the shore And lands will crack and rend anew You think it's strange, it will come true And in some far-off distant land Some men owe such a time Tiny band will have to leave their solid mount and span the earth, those few to count, and those surviving this will then begin the human race again. But not on land already there, but on ocean beds stark dry and bare. Not every soul on earth will die as the dragon's tail goes sweeping by. Not every land on earth will sink, but these will wallow in stench and stink of rotting bodies of beast and man, of vegetation crisped on land. And those that live will ever fear the dragon's tail for many years. But time erases memory. You think it's strange, but it will be. And before the race is built anew, a silver serpent comes to view and spew out men of like unknown to mingle with the earth, now grown cold from its heat. And these men can enlighten the minds of future men. 
to intermingle and show them how to live and love and thus endow the children with the second sight, a natural thing so that they might grow graceful, humble, and when they do, the golden age will start anew. Well, that was weird. It's episode 146 of Abs and a Six Pack here with John Fletcher and drinking a, uh, well, I know there's trouble on the way because I see a blue moon horizon. Uh-oh. I'm feeling very especial, so I got a Modelo especial. I've been drinking those, and I can't tell if I like them, but I keep drinking them, those Modelo, Chilada, Lime, and Salt. Mm. I like the Dos Equis version of it better, but I can't find it anywhere. It's just like a Dos Equis with Lime and Salt already in it. Oh, okay. I've never tried any of those. Um, Well, (laughs) except for, uh, I've tried the Bud Light Limes, and uh, they're terrible. That's a completely different thing. Yeah. Yeah, and that that kind of ruined it for all beer with flavor for me. Well, this is I like beer, and I like to taste. I mm-hmm. like my beer to taste like beer. And I bought these tangerine yeah. brewed with tangerine peel, blue moon light sky citrus wheat, and I like blue moon. Mm. But this this yeah. is so light, it just tastes like nothing. It's like doesn't taste like beer. It's just it's a light beer. You're just it's drinking liquid air. Pretty much, yeah. It's like space balls, like the the cans of air. Oh, the Perry air. <laughs> yes. <sighs> yes. Ugh. Just enjoy yourselves. You are going to love it. It's not, I already these are, am. These moons are not good. But yeah, this is. I forgot to say this is a new live son of a bitch. This is a new live son of a bitch. I can do this voice. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be live here for the next two hours with a space modulator. <laughs> Mm. So you wanted mm. you you brought something to my attention that I was completely unaware of, which is the I don't if I don't think I'm jumping the gun by saying Plasma Man is what you texted me about. I was like, what's this? Oh, uh, yeah, the the Squatter Man. Mm-hmm. And uh, Squatter Man. And uh, <laughs> is it? Is it I think I thought at first it had something to do with squatters' rights. Yes, that. <laughs> yeah, I can see how you would think that, given the name, or or shitting, uh, one of the two. But yeah, so I watched the documentary uh, this morning that you sent me, and I'm sure we're going to get into some of that later. But the more I've started looking into this topic, like some of the details, I had no idea about. But it's it's along the lines of stuff I've been looking into for a while, uh, like civilization resets and apocalypse stuff. Yeah, and whatnot. yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Pretty, I mean, same time. here. If you've ever, if you've ever listened to my show or <laughs> any show I'm on, really, uh, it's the chances are good that ancient Egypt is going to come up in conversations with me. Fuck uh, ancient Egypt, <laughs> or uh, or uh, you know, ancient um, South America, any place like that where there are these anomalous structures, and yeah, uh, the the beginning of times, like lost technology. You know, all that, all that sort of stuff. I've, I've been really into it, and and I don't. <laughs> I've been struggling all day thinking of where to start with this because it, it's to me, it ties so much stuff together. Mm-hmm. And I guess just starting with what you what you said, Squatter Man would be um, an image that uh, is is prevalent amongst um, many many cultures where um, you just 
uh, throughout time. And I'll just, I'll share these in the chat as I bring them up like this one, uh, which is kind of strange. It's a, uh, it's a dude with a duck on his head. Yeah. There's, there's many images of uh, dudes with ducks on their heads. Yeah, Jason but Alexander are... played Duckman, if you remember that show, that cartoon. Oh, shit, I forgot about Duckman. Duckman's a good a good cartoon. What about yeah. Darkwing Duck? Uh, uh, so I'm just flooding your chat with all these different Duckman images. Yeah, I'm, look, yeah, I'm looking at them. These, oh, so these were in that documentary. Yes, uh, and that was that's actually where I got them. Uh, the documentary is uh, it's called, um, oh, what was it, Alien Sky? Symbols of an Alien Sky. And actually, I found out about that. Uh, from a different guy who I uh, I enjoy listening to, um, Robert Shock, and uh, I found out about him. Uh, go figure from stuff about ancient Egypt. Yeah, he, I, uh, I found him through Graham Hancock. Yeah, yeah, where he he disputes the age of the Sphinx based on water erosion, and he's a geologist. He uh, is at the University of uh, Boston, so he's a legit thinker. And uh, I've got a few clips. Really, the only clips I brought are of Robert Schock. You could say that and, Robert um, Schock's findings were rather shocking. Oh, Indeed they were. Especially about the Sphinx, but that's neither here nor there. At the moment, anyway. The but yeah, uh, the if you want me to, I could, uh, I could uh, I make start a sphinx- off with these. I was going to make a sphincter joke, but I was like, no, I'll wait. I Save that the for sphinx the is pretty tight, you know, in the sphincter. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, uh, if you want me to start off and, and play uh, some of these clips of him. Yeah. he uh, Now, I don't have any pictures, but they're easy to find. I'll go ahead and tell you, uh, or anyone else listening, if you want to go ahead and look them up, look up um, uh, Rongo Rongo, and that's one word, R-O-N-G-O, R-O-N-G-O. And uh, they're from Easter Island, and they're um, symbols carved onto wood. And uh, there's there's, you know, not many of them. Uh, they have all these strange symbols that they haven't been able to figure out. And so this is him talking about the Rongo Rongo. It's on wooden tablets. Only if about two dozen, 26 or so people argue about the authenticity of some of them are known at this point. They're inscribed on these wooden tablets. And these have never been to this moment unless we're right about it, really been properly interpreted or deciphered. So we're looking at these. We've come back from Easter Island. It was sort of like a little break to, from thinking about other things. We're looking at it, but I can't get my mind off of, you know, why do civilizations disappear? Why did the Ice Age end? We watch Symbols of an Alien Sky, and Katie says to me, well, you know, those... Rongo Rongo characters, they sort of look like the plasma petroglyphs. And we're starting to look at them and look at them. And I've got to say, I tend to be skeptical about things at first. And I say, oh, you know, I didn't even want to watch it again. I mean, no, no insult to you. <laughs> but I mean, I'd seen symbols of an alien sky before. I found it really interesting. But she insisted, oh, we should watch it again. Good to relax the brain. <laughs> Yeah, and so then I was like, symbols of an alien sky. What is that? And I went and looked for it, easy enough to find on YouTube. And, and uh, seems, I only sent you like the a, first part. That's what it's I was a three-parter. Yeah. Yeah. And um, But I'll only talk about the first part. And um, I don't want to presume anything, but it would be awesome to uh, discuss 
more of it at a later time, but just the first part is dense enough. Yeah, just, uh, I mean, this whole topic is something I think will deserve multiple installments. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. And so, and so what he mentioned there, the, the plasma uh, petroglyphs, uh, we'll, we'll get into that. Um, but he's, uh, he goes on more about, um, what these Rongo Rongo could be, uh, what the, what they could be recording instead of, instead of being glyphs that represent text or words, um, maybe it's something else. So let me, uh, do number two. But it does make sense to me that these glyphs record or were inspired by these plasma configurations. And, oh, I just throw this, uh, well, not throw it in, this is another thing. Uh, it has been suggested by uh, Tony Pratt and his group that NASCA, the NASCA lines may record. Well, he didn't really get into the glyphs, the huge glyphs on the surface that you have there. But you start looking at these, you we're looking at Rongo Rongo, there's a petroglyph of the Easter Island with the hand symbol and I well you have that NASCA too I'm wondering does this all start to tie together again as a unifying thing you look at other aspects of this and I realize what time it is so I'm paying attention to time but you look at other aspects of this for instance some of the legends and I can't go into this great detail but Easter Island there's a legend I want to read this in the days of Roko Roko Hital the sky fell what are they referring to by the sky falling it fell from above onto the earth the people cried out the sky is falling in the days of King Roko Roko Hital he took hold he waited a given time the sky returned it went away and it stayed up there again so could this be referring to plasma changes in the sky yeah I mean uh, who he said he said uh, uh Tony Perrot or Anthony Perrot, um, as the way I heard of him, um, he is a uh, plasma physicist and he's a legit dude um, at a at a research lab that was uh, doing plasma experiments and then noticed a similarity between these petroglyphs and um, and the plasma discharge arcs in his lab. And so this it's, is just it's, a, and it's more than a similarity. It seems like it's just dead on. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, this now is this the this guy that one discovered... I posted here in your in your chat? I posted a, a page. It's just an excerpt from uh, some of uh, Anthony Perrot's work, and uh, it shows uh, oh some of these petroglyphs. Now is this the guy that discovered if you cut a grape in half and put it in the microwave, it will exert plasma? Dude, whoever discovered that, I, I don't know, but it's fucking cool. You can <laughs> ruin a microwave like that too. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. You know, so I have seen these things around because I'm also interested in astronomy. <clears throat> I, uh, I've always been a band nerd uh, in school, but there were certain aspects of science class that I found more interesting than others. And um, astronomy, especially, especially like local astronomy, dealing with our solar system, um, I've always been fascinated by it. The fact that some of the planets are so fucking huge and then the sun's even fucking huger. And then we're, it's all, the, everything's, we're all magnets. The sun's a magnet. The earth's a magnet. All the planets are magnets. We're all magnetically connected. And, um, fucking magnets. How do those work? Well, how do they work? We, 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 there's no good way of, uh, even knowing because 
in order to truly study something, you have to be adjacent from it. And it's hard to study magnetism when you're sitting on top of a giant magnet in the field of yet another magnet. So it's kind of hard to get a neutral control group going. Now, but uh, yeah, just to sidetrack for a second, plasma itself is like a weird thing that doesn't, that is rarely exists on Earth, right? Like I remember when I was a little kid watching like mm, no, Boston's, Boston's, it, okay, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, it's, you can it's make just it the microwave. fourth. Yeah, it's the fourth state of matter. Um, with solids being, you know, you think of solid, liquid, gas. You heat that gas up even more. Farts, it's a plasma. Farts, farts, pisses, and shits. It's the, th- the three yeah, states. Of exactly. And then, then you heat up that fart a little more, you got a fucking plasma fart. Right. They did and, that uh, in the new Jackass movie. They lit a fart. Exactly. Water. There you see. Uh, I do have this. But the crazy thing about plasma is it, it, it can uh, be affected by magnetic fields. It carries a charge like lightning. That's plasma. So I have a, I have it from this YouTube channel, Illinois Energy Professor. I have a quick explainer on what plasma is, and um, I was mainly impressed by this video because he has like a clear uh, whiteboard, you know, in front of him facing the camera, and he's behind the whiteboard. Oh. <clears throat> and yeah, so he, yeah. He writes everything mirrored so that it faces the camera. So you're watching this guy write all his like equations and all his notes backwards dude that takes talent just on its own exactly that's the most thing i was most impressed by but here's his quick explainer on plasma let's look a little closer at this hydrogen atom what is it really it's really a proton in the middle with an electron going around it the electron is negative the proton is positive it really doesn't go in a circle it's an electron distribution cloud but the basic idea if i keep putting in energy What's going to happen is that I will rip that electron off from the proton. Instead of it going around in a circle, instead of it being bound as an atom, this electron may be going this way, this proton that way. And it won't just be one electron and proton. What I will get is a plasma, a hot ionized gas. This is really the dominant state of matter in the universe. How dominant? Well, something like 99.9% of all the mass in the universe is not a solid, a liquid, or a gas. It's a plasma. The stars are plasma. Much of the interstellar material, the gas, is actually charged. It's a plasma. So there you go. There you go. And thanks to that plasma, everything is electrically connected, magnetically connected. Electricity and and magnetism are one and the same. Electromagnetism, and so it's all we're all connected. The planets, the stars, the galaxies, all have these uh, these webs of plasma that connect them, and we don't see them because the plasma isn't uh, isn't charged. It's, you know, at a, at a calm state, like a fluorescent tube that hasn't been turned on yet. <clears throat> but then what happens when charge is introduced? Well, then it, then it starts to glow. Then you can see it. And that, that takes us back to this, uh, this squatter man of uh, how multiple civilizations saw the same image. And uh, starting with a, what looked like a dude with a duck on his head. And then 
changing into uh, ones like this that I'm posting into into the chat. Uh, now this is the squatter man, where he looks like he's squatting, and uh, he usually has his arms up over his over his head. Sometimes they're out to his sides. And that picture you just posted, that first one, you can see his balls down there. Yes, exactly. They uh, they made him anatomically correct. You know the artists, they gotta they gotta make it their own, of course. <laughs> you gotta put some of your own expression in there. But you see the the similarities and 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 the places where they find them, and even here uh, another one. There's some more balls there in Arizona. There's another one from Arizona, which gets kind of gets kind of funky there. One of the two sets of arms, and these all dating back thousands of years. Yeah, these are all petroglyphs, so they found them either etched or painted onto rocks. And what um, Anthony Perrot discovered was that it's very similar to, uh, I mean, it's exactly the same as as the shape of plasma discharge that he was producing in his lab. And there's <laughs> I produce a, a lot of discharge picture. in my lab. Yes, but plasma discharge. I mean, if you're producing plasma discharge, you're rubbing that sucker too hot, too fast. You know, slow it down there. My shit belongs in a museum. It does, or at least a lab. And uh, so what What this is showing, this is more of a just a plasma discharge there, is how... Now, essentially, this is a... You can think of it as an arc, like an electrical arc. So when you are... Like if you've ever been shocked by a doorknob... Um, you sometimes can see the, the blue spark shoot from your finger to the doorknob or vice versa from the doorknob to your finger. But that's mm -hmm. a it's a little discharge, a little static electricity. And so it's moving from from an area with uh, a, a potential difference, an electrical pot potential. And then in order to equalize that that potential difference, uh, it discharges. But. A discharge like that that would look like that where it's a uh, looks like a cup with a the ring in the middle is it's a ring it's a what they call a torus you know so a donut shape and then and then like a squatted bell sort of shape on the bottom but if people were seeing that in the sky much like we can see the uh the aurora on the north and south poles um the aurora you know that's pretty low energy stuff uh but if you were getting a huge arc like that, uh, that's a huge influx of energy. And where would it be coming from? That, that's the real question. I wonder. Um, is, uh, yeah. it, it's interesting that the, the, the term arc being involved, too. I watched this whole uh, breakdown today on YouTube. It was a little goofy, but I liked some of it about how the Ark of the Covenant in the first Indiana Jones, Raiders mm -hmm. of Lost Ark, that like whole plasma discharge that melts all the Nazis' faces out of the Ark was actually yeah. talking about like the plasma apocalypse. Oh well, I mean, I wouldn't doubt it. They went through and, like and there are, like thirty different points of like little similarities and stuff, and some of it was reaching a little bit, but some of it and you know like the Ark, you know the Ark of the Covenant. The, the well, like you know, mentioning Ark here, so that's what that's what made me think of it. They um they may know something. I mean, there, there's that tribe in Africa. Uh, the Dogon that um, they they claim to have come from um, Sirius, and they knew that the star Sirius is actually three stars. It's just so far away; we only see it as a single point of light. Uh, and at first, once we had telescopes, 
that got pretty powerful, we, uh, quote, discovered that it was two stars. And then we got even better telescopes. And then we found out it was actually three stars, a trinary star system. And, but the, the Dogon in Africa, a tribe with no telescopes, uh, already knew that and claimed to be from there. Shit's wild. Which is kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah, that shit's wild. How the fuck did they know that? I don't know. That Maybe doesn't really have anything to do with or, or somebody, you know, from there came and visited them, you know, yeah. a long time ago. Well, this is um this wasn't mentioned in any of the stuff that I watched, mainly uh 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 symbols of an alien sky. But that it got me thinking with a with a huge influx of energy, the the where you would see the plasma discharge in the sky like that. Um regardless of where it was coming from, because this the symbols of a alien sky done by the Thunderbolt project, uh, they have their own theories, which are kind of compelling, but it got me thinking, well, maybe, maybe that was the driver of the technology that we are still looking for as to how these ancient cultures moved these giant stones in a seemingly effortless way. Uh, because they certainly didn't do it with just dudes with rope and, and beeswax and logs. They, they had to have something else especially to cut it. And in a lot of these places, they're inside doing the stonework, but there's no scorch marks from torches. There's no sconces on the walls, none of that shit. So how are they seeing inside these dark places? Well, maybe because of the influx of energy, the extra energy that was here, they were able to maybe even do something simple, like find things that uh, could bioluminesce and just collect a bunch of bioluminescent moss together and, and oh, wow. see inside these dark places. Oh, that's a cool idea. Well, and maybe they used it to, to move things. Maybe they, they didn't know the mechanism that made it happen, but they just realized there was more ambient energy in the air. And uh, they were able to maybe even utilize sound to, to like levitate rocks because we can levitate with things with sound now but they're very small i mean hell the fucking carpenter bee the bumblebee that uh, uh that is uh not anatomically suited for flight with tiny wings and a big ass body they found out that that thing it hums at the same frequency that its wings vibrate and that creates a, a little magnetic bubble and it levitates itself and its wings are only used to propel itself inside the bubble and move the bubble forward because those bees, when they fly, they can fly in straight lines no matter the wind speed. So Damn, they can fly through wind that's blowing perpendicular and never get off course. If you ever watch any other kind of bug or bird try and fly in the wind, they get blown all over the place. This, but these this, this, these carpenter bees, straight line, no problem. And those carpenter bees are, I got to spray the back porch <clears> again because they're coming back and starting to eat the wood. But uh, yeah, And they will. Bury, <laughs> bury through the wood. But so... Um, that technology that carpenter bees use that you just described with the magnetic bubble or whatever, this sounds kind of similar to the type of uh, technology that Bob Lazar describes how UFOs fly and aren't affected by outside elements. Like the, mm. um, the orb, the energetic orb around them that's invisible that like propels them. And he goes a little further and says they fold space time, but 
They definitely yeah. have like a magnetic field around them. So that's uh, the, the guy that discovered that about the bees, he just noticed that it was not having difficulty flying on a windy day. And so he just caught some of them, put them in a freezer and uh, tied a little tracker to them and then let them go and, and tracked their, their path to wherever they were going, you know, and then back to their nest back and forth and just noticed it was a straight line. And uh, so then the he bugs captured the only thing a few you can more put in a freezer and freeze them. And they, when they thaw out, they like come back alive or they, you know, I guess plants probably do that too, but um, certain types anyway. Like how um, long could you keep a bee in the freezer? Could you keep it in there for 50 years? Good, yeah. I never thought, I don't know. I, uh, I've never done that. Never, never thought of how long you could, but I'm going to get, I'm going to get one knows? of these carpenter bees that are on my back porch. And I'm going to put him in the freezer, and then like when I'm an old man, when I'm like 80, I'm going to pull him out and see if he uh, see if he starts flying around. It's time to wake up, Mr. B. <laughs> He's going to be like, whoa, I'm in the future. Cryosleep. How did I get here? Yeah. Cryosleep. Shut the fuck up, B. But yeah, he, he studied the bees with an uh, infrared camera. And when they started to take flight, uh, the area where it's not necessarily the same organ, but what we would call their larynx, their voice box, it started to heat up and uh, he realized they were humming and they're, they're humming the same frequency that their ring, wings are vibrating, which is why if you ever see two carpenter bees uh, have a little dog fight in the air, why you, you can hear them both just separately. But when they get close to each other, it sounds like uh, the sounds of a lightsaber. You know, when they were fighting with lightsabers, Whoa. Because their their fields are interfering with each other. So, but they nobody knows how they um, what mechanism in their body allows them to put off that field. Still, not really. Other than the frequencies match up, hmm. and that's probably where these space these spacecraft these aircraft got got the idea from. Because I am not convinced that any of these UFOs or things that we see in the sky are extraterrestrial. I think they're all very much terrestrial. Yeah. The, the only and, uh, alien aspect of it that I kind of like the theory of is what Midnight Mike has talked about on UBDM, where there's a parallel civilization underwater. And that's why you see so many of these things not coming from outer space, but in and out of the oceans. Yeah. Yeah. But that I, I think that uh, they evolved with the planet just like we have, that they've been, they've just been here longer and right. have better technology. Yeah. And um, I mean, shit, we, there's also evidence of, culture moving into caves and going underground there, there's places in turkey all around the mediterranean even in europe of uh people just all over the earth just decided i'm gonna go live in a cave for a while well if there was uh, an event in the sky that was uh, catastrophic not just not just a pretty light show with a with a squatter man in the sky but giving off real electrical discharge to ground like giant ass lightning bolts a cosmic scale lightning bolts uh that's just destroying things like the uh, city of tanis in in egypt that place is completely destroyed and they found it buried in sand and just uh blocks torn and broken apart uh vitrified uh quartz uh statues and things like that where to vitrify quartz which means you you heat it up till it's red hot uh that takes a pretty hot fire and um civilization back then couldn't make fire that hot even though they try and say that 
well, the Greeks had this stuff called Greek fire. Yeah, what the fuck ever. You're going to heat up whale fat and and melt some fucking quartz. Yeah, the most or you not can quartz, make is but, uh, Greek. granite. The most you could do with that is Greek yogurt. Yeah, Greek no. Fire. You ain't setting shit on fire with that stuff. Especially not granite statues that are, you know, 50 plus tons, uh, sometimes 100 tons for a fucking statue. Um, but no, Tannis was blown apart. How, how could that have happened? Mm. Giant ass lightning bolts, like half a mile wide lightning bolts. Now, Robert Shock was, I, unless I'm getting him confused with someone else, I think he was also the one talking about these worldwide electrical storms. Yeah. Where it, lightning was like all over the earth, like raindrops, just constant lightning. And we have, there's evidence of that in the ground. Um, there, you could, I didn't bring any of that here because, um, uh, well, we can get more into it. Maybe next time, uh, but they have done experiments with uh, high voltage um, producing an arc and hitting, say, like a clay disc or various type of soil and and studying the results of that, what it, what it does. And then they find uh, parts of the earth that have done it, but just on a giant scale. There's places in Africa, in the Sahara, I think it's in Libya, where it's a scar in the fucking ground. Caused by a lightning strike, but a huge ass cosmic lightning bolt. Right, like and, we're talking thousands of times bigger than your typical lightning strike. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, lightning strike. You know, that's feet feet across, like oh, the width of the bolt itself. Whereas the stuff they're talking about, half a mile to a mile wide. That's the size of a fucking EF five tornado. Yeah, but with lightning, that's insane. Has there has there been any work done to? Uh, date those back. I don't really trust carbon dating or any. I mean, you don't see. No, you can't. And then I remember in school, they would tell us, you know, hey, that carbon dating is not an exact science. You know, we kind of use it to guesstimate the age of things. But, you know, you've got this uh, this range of error here. And so it could be as old as this or it could be as young as this. And now they just don't. They don't put that disclaimer there. They try and pass it off as absolute fact. Carbon-14 dating says this. Yeah, I mean, no, one of my doesn't. favorites is the one that creationists always love to bring up was Mount St. Helens, which erupted, you know, like not too long. I, what year did that erupt? I can't really have to look that up. But um, they carbon-dated it like a couple months later, and it said like the, uh, the hardened magma from Mount St. Helens, you know, carbon-dating says it's like two million years old or whatever. It's like fucking not even a year old. It's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's so dumb. And and plus, it's only limited to dating of the organic compound that you find within an object. And so that doesn't necessarily prove when it was made or anything. That just means the last time something alive came in contact with it. Right. So, uh, it, so it erupted a, in 2000. A huge margin of error. It says last eruption 2004 to 2008. Oh, okay. Was Mount St. Helens. But yeah, no, I, the, the Christians love bringing up that, like the young earth creation Christians love bringing up Mount St. Helens because it is such a great example of carbon dating being so crazy unreliable. It is. It is. And I mean, we're only guessing with so much, so much of this type of stuff. I mean, we're guessing at the age of the earth. We guess at the age of the universe where we're guessing just at all of it. I mean, hell, the the gravitational model for how, in the very least, the solar system formed is a guess. We're just guessing because nobody was around 
then. Nobody saw the fucking dust cloud coalesce into the sun, leaving an accretion disk around it that then formed planets. Nobody saw that shit. And there's there's really not a whole lot of evidence for it. It's just some jamokes going, you know, I think this this could make sense. Maybe it did this. And they're assuming that uh, the force of gravity is stronger than the, the force of electromagnetism. But riddle me this. Batman. If, uh, yeah, if, uh, if the force of gravity is stronger than the force of magnetism, how can you pick up a magnet? How can you pick anything up with a magnet? With a magnet. Yeah. 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 Because the force of gravity, which they say is the, you know, the weight of the planet pushing against something. Mm, the planet weighs a lot. These magnets. I thought, thought magnetism was a weak force. That whole but, shit in Breaking Bad never would have worked if that was true. And they get the big magnet to like suck the computer's data. Exactly. Everything flies Every up. magnet would be the strength of an electromagnet if that was the case. Right. I mean, you couldn't pick. I'm not saying gravity doesn't have an effect on things because it, it does. But you can't just uh, dismiss uh, the magnetic force just because you can't properly measure it. I mean, shit. They used to say that the saying that there was a connection, a magnetic connection between the Earth and sun was just new age uh, astro, astro, astrological type thinking. No, they're not actually connected. You just want to make your horoscopes right. Yeah. But then we get all these fancy satellites, and then lo and behold, what do they discover? A fucking magnetic vortex that connects all the planets to the sun and all the planets to the other planets and the earth to the moon and the moon to the sun and so on and so forth. But it's like, who made all this before shit, it's just, bro? <laughs> who made it? Like, uh, that is a, that's a, that's a question for another day. So I just, it's like, what, what, what is all this? What is all this stuff? Yeah. How do you guys live here? Very, very carefully. Um, but back to, uh, what is all uh, this stuff? <laughs> it's, uh, and so, Seeing that the squatter man image all over the earth, and then, then they you start seeing other similarities between between these uh, these cultures that we are familiar with, where uh, this the shape of this wheel shows up, and uh, you know we we listen briefly to some of Journey's wheel in the sky that keeps on turning. But you start seeing, you know, these guys are either holding a wheel, they're sitting on a wheel, uh, but the wheel isn't of use. You know, it's not part of a mechanism. It's just the wheel. They've got these thrones, uh, the wheel throne of Buddha, a fucking Buddha's footprint uh, has a wheel motif prominent, and then different cultures uh, also um, drew the shape of a wheel uh, just you know, why? They, they they didn't represent words or language. They just decided... Yeah, they didn't hey, even have start. cars back then. No. I mean, shit, the fucking, you know, Inca, that's always the thing about them. Well, how'd they build this stuff? They didn't even have beast of burden. <laughs> they didn't even know the wheel. So, of course, they were just dumb Indians. Of course, the Catholics had the right to come and kill them. They didn't Tell even know what the wheel was. Burden. <laughs> I'll never be your big <laughs> suburban... <laughs> um yeah no that the whole man yeah the alien skies thing was fascinating because i mean i was just like the whole time i'm just well besides of thinking of journey's wheel in the sky song the whole time i was just mm. thinking like how insane it would be to walk outside and see a planet like saturn taking up half the sky oh like this so i'll share this image 
and what they called the Great Conjunction. And so what you're seeing there is Saturn in the back with Venus in the middle, having that star shape, and then Mars in front of it. And the star shape, that comes from uh, plasma discharge given off by Venus. Uh, let me find the image that shows a, a 3D rendering of uh, what it could have possibly, you know, maybe sort of kind of looked like. Oh, where'd it go? Oh, there's a neat picture. And man, I grabbed so many screenshots from that video. Yeah, there was some good stuff. Uh, yes. I'm, I'm actually, I'm excited to watch the next two parts because I just was like, it's so, like he's, like we were saying, so much of it like ties right into stuff I've already been looking at, but I've never actually seen that presentation that uh, presented that yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, right. And and like, so what they were saying about that, seeing that in the sky, so the last image is a side view of what it would look like if we were out in space. But then the first image uh, before that was, was our perspective and many cultures had talked about the sun being in the middle of the sky and not moving mm -hmm. and that and i'd heard that uh from many different places about um the sun but the sun was out at night well how the fuck is that possible yeah and our sun the sun that's there now it was there then too but it just wasn't as prominent in the sky because fucking saturn was right yeah i mean in some of those images they used, you see like how big this would have looked in the sky. And it's like, um, I mean, it's something out of like straight out of like, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of an example, Prometheus or something where it's like, you know, one of these alien planets where you see like a twin planet, like right next to you. And it's, it's not like the sun or the moon where it's this little like dot up in the sky. It's like this thing is taking up, you know, a third of the horizon when you're looking. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or like in Star Wars, when they're on the, the moon of Endor, you can see the gas giant of Endor very exactly. prominent on the horizon. But yeah, I'll share a bunch of these images. I'll just fucking drop it in here. So these are similarities of images that they find. So that one's from Babylon. Um, uh, there's more uh, talking about Assyrian texts and uh, some Rome stuff, you know. So Saturn was pretty prominent in Roman mythology. Some shit talking about the Babylonians and Ishtar. I mean, Saturn worship is pretty wild. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's why we have Saturday. Why Saturday is the Sabbath. And then, you know, you get into this shit ice cubes in, into right now, the black cube of Saturn and all that kind of darker side of it. Yeah, and even even the the Syrians, the, the Babylonians, talking about a planet that, that came and caused, uh, or not Syrians, Sumerians, a planet that would come around and cause havoc. You know, the uh, the current planetary model, the current solar system model of everything being nice and peaceful and in balance. Uh, yeah, it sounds fine, but how do you explain comets then? Because of everything formed from an accretion disk, and um, as a result, over billions of years, everything fell into its current place, and is it's in gravitational balance. Well then, the comets and everything in the Oort cloud should never reach the inner solar system because it's all balanced. Now, you could say there's some gravity waves or something of uh, us passing close to a star, or there's an object out there we just can't see, and it's disturbing the, the gravitational uh, balance and flinging comets in. Okay, where's the object? Show it. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Because, you know, comets come in, and they, they don't just come in along the equatorial plane either. They come in at 
very eccentric orbits coming. Shit, there's there's some that come in from the the north the north or south pole of the sun, way off of the the equatorial plane, and uh, they're highly elliptical at that. They're not nice and round like our stuff. And so either there's a, a mischievous uh, planet out there just hurling stuff toward the inner solar system, like, <laughs> or or uh, electromagnetism has more of an effect than they want to give it. Right. Yeah, or it's, and like, you know, it could be, like, missiles. Oh, uh, right. you know, maybe there's some invisible aliens out there yeah. uh, hurling uh, cometary missiles at us. And so these images I'm just showing um, show the same basic shape of of this big round circle with a star formation and then a darker, smaller circle in the center. And, uh, and they show it with a crescent and the crescent would be formed when the sun is, uh, shining on Saturn and, and forming a crescent just like it does with the moon. And these guys aren't necessarily showing pictures of the moon. They could be showing this great conjunction object. That's a very prominent yet stable for the moment in the sky. And that, so they come up with all these myths around it uh, to explain what they're seeing and to rationalize it. Who knows? But if that's the case, if uh, if the planets could move like that and and come closer to us, that has all sorts of implications. Because if it happened once, can it happen again? Yeah, any day now, probably. I I'm hoping. I want to. I meant to mention this right off the top at the top of the show, but I it slipped my mind until now. That opening clip was a reading of uh, like a rhyming prophecy from Mother Shipton, who, if truly existed, was born in 1488 and died in 1561. Um, oh, right. Yeah. And, and was, she, she's I mean, oh, she ahead, like she's she's like, like I guess it was kind of considered like a witch or something. Um, mm. But there's it's apparently like the oldest attraction in uh, in London is like her uh, her cave or something that she would. She lived in, but the, um, Burn her. yeah, <laughs> but so, I mean, some of that stuff at the, in that opening clip at the intro was, uh, very, um, very interesting as far as like the, the cycle of apocalypse and rebirth of civilization over and over, um, the, yeah. kind of tied in with the Anunnaki or like, you know, Zachariah Sessions type stuff of the. The rebuilders, the aliens that come after, or the gods, whatever you want to call them, that come after the uh, apocalypse to help re, re uh, fabricate or replant the seeds of society again. Pretty, pretty yeah. crazy shit. <clears throat> and it could and we be. know those writings like existed. Were like it's old, you know. In the, even if it wasn't Mother Shipton that wrote them, that stuff existed. Those writings existed uh, in the 1500s. So yeah, well before somebody, we had yeah. the technology to discover this type of stuff. Yeah, so somebody was thinking about it, so it really doesn't matter if it was her or not. Um, no, and and what? But the um, the real the what makes me think she might have be like a like a fictional character, like William Shakespeare was, <laughs> is and that somebody else was writing for her, or groups of people were writing for her. I mean, Mother Shipton, Mothership, yeah, Mothership. Yeah. It's like what? <laughs> well, I mean, going back to what I was saying with um, the ancient technology and. And like this, with the planets in alignment like that, much closer. And just for the sake of it all, uh, electromagnetism being a much more prominent force than we've given it credit for. What if the planets are the gods and their, ta- their technology, their rebuilding powers come from that, that energy that they give off when they're in close, 
close proximity and it's giving off the visible discharge, I mean, that that would make it possible for us to to do things that we well we can't do now. That could be the explanation as to why so many people talked about magic way, 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 way back. Mm. But now we now we don't have magic. Now things aren't magical. Well, maybe that's because we don't have the energy input anymore in order to do those things. To even activate those parts of our brain where we could move stuff with our mind. We could conjure lightning from our fingertips or fire or or any of that type of stuff. Yeah, especially what with the practice and, and you know, uh, knowledge on how to do that. Yeah. I mean, the memory exists that people were able to do it, but the missing factor is the energy. And different types of life forms could potentially be able to exist. Like Lord of the Rings type, you know, trolls and goblins and elves and shit. You know, maybe whether they're like another dimension, that dimensional slip allows them to enter and exit this world if there's... Um, a different if planets are in different spots or if well, not, it's, not or if even it's that, like but or if I they're mean, there for you know millions of years then their different evolution could take place well you what if just like a fish can't live on land it can't breathe the air it can't take oxygen from the air the way it can from from the water what if those type of beings and creatures just can't exist without that energy influx right that when the planets moved away, it took all the energy with it. And then the things that needed it to survive, they just died. Like the dinosaurs. What if that's why, that's what helped them be so big was, because I've always wondered that too. Like if the earth has been the same fucking size and animals are this size now, and and for whatever reason they, they give us, then how are the dinosaurs so fucking huge? They would They would need so much more energy intake daily in order to sustain that size for millions of years of evolution evolution mm-hmm. so what's missing from the picture uh that allowed them to be so big that animals can't do that now what if it was that energy influx from planets being closer together uh more di- you know sharing their energy more directly i like that i have and a the planets move away and the dinosaurs die i have a it's a and long it could have been a cycle yeah no, I'm I'm totally on board with that. Other than the dinosaurs ever existed part, I'm on board with the rest of that. Well, yeah, I mean, right. Shit's fake. You think those fossils could be fake? <laughs> uh, no, I, I like, um, I don't know. I like the dinosaurs are fake meme. Um, there was a lot of shenanigans going on. Definitely a lot of fake fossiling during the Bone Wars when everybody was, it was like the gold rush. That's of, true. So much of it's fake. And then you go to all these museums and none of them actually show any real dinosaur bones. Well, the, none of them are even bones. The, 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 the fossilization process replaces the organic material with, uh, um, with uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here, uh, with minerals. Right. So they're essentially yeah. bone-shaped rocks now. Yeah, I'm skipped. I'm, I'll tell you this. I, I'm more ready to believe in dinosaurs than I am ready to believe that they grew feathers and turned into chickens. I really like that. But I see where you're coming from. And it does put doubt in my mind. The fact that they were wrong about the Brontosaurus. Now they're like, no, Brontosaurus didn't actually exist. We're sorry. We were wrong. No such thing as a Brontosaurus. It was actually just a Brachiosaur. Yeah. It's like, well, well, fuck you then. And then like. But that's all just a matter of classification. Just like 
Pluto not Pluto. being a planet. That doesn't mean anything. That just means some jack off needed something to do and he decided to reclassify some stuff. Uh, so before Pluto's you get, still there. Before you get back into Plasma, well, yeah, before you get back into Plasma and, and Robert, the Robert shot clips and stuff, I want to play at least a little bit. And we, it's long, so we can come back to it. I'll split it up into two chunks because it's like seven minutes altogether. But this is this dude I've been watching Ooh. on YouTube, J Dreamers or J Dreamer Z, however you pronounce his channel. And he's, I, I must have watched, it leading up to this, at least four or five hours of his stuff, his channel, and it's mostly oh, yeah, about, yeah. it's almost entirely about the plasma apocalypse. Yeah, I like it. And you turned me on to his channel, and uh, I appreciate that, because he, he has some good shit in there. Yeah, I actually reached out to I'd like to have him on if we do another topic like this. Dude, I'd like to have him on. Dude, yeah. I want to be on. <laughs> he seems like, he's, he's uh, his, this is his main focus, so I, I, um. Uh, this topic. So I, I but uh, this is what is the what is the plasma apocalypse short version? So instead of his usual like two to three hour stream, this is just like a seven minute breakdown. But I'll play the first couple minutes here of what the plasma apocalypse is. And um, it's it potentially it might seems like it's a recurring thing going back an infinite amount of time in the past. Like we just have like the remnants of the last, you know, 12,000 years ago, that uh, that uh, apocalypse where, you know, Atlantis sunk and all that. That's like our, our oldest tales. But, I mean, that could have happened. They society could have gotten advanced a million times before that. Like, we really have no idea how old the Earth actually is. Hmm. Yeah. The plasma apocalypse is the cyclical cataclysm that changes all life on Earth. The plasma apocalypse has been known by every culture. It's been recorded in every religion. It's been described from various perspectives and has gone by many names. Armageddon, the end of days, the rapture, the end times, judgment day, the apocalypse. The event has always been seen as being both a destructive and life-giving process. When it brings death to one thing, it gives birth to another. It's a marker for both the end and the beginning of recorded time. Many of our ancient ancestors knew about the cyclical world reset. They would prepare and plan for their survival and the preservation of their families, retreating to deep underground caverns when they saw the signs and omens of destruction. Because the exact date of the event was never known, they made annual preparations which would become traditions that would be carried out by their descendants who would eventually forget about the cataclysm to come. We are those descendants. This generation has no memory of the creation event, the reoccurring genesis of our world. It survives mostly in the collective subconscious of humanity, secretly escaping through creative mediums like books, movies, and music. Those who remember do so in part, as if trying to recall a powerful dream that slips away from the conscious mind. Those who try and return to the old ways are avoided, mocked, and humiliated, labeled doomsday preppers and preachers of doom and gloom, heretics to the divine and all-powerful church of humanity. But the ancients knew a secret. Those who survive the reset will inherit the new world as masters of themselves and their environments. True. Now, this is where I think a lot of this stuff, like I think the the there's definitely secret societies and uh, governments for sure that are way more clued in on all this, and that's why there's so much fake NASA stuff put out and so much fake crap because they like you, if you already know about like that when a reset is coming, like a civilization reset, and you have this uh, more history and more scientific knowledge of when these things happen and how they happen. 
and have that mapped out, you definitely want to keep that for you and your friends as opposed to have the whole world know. Yeah, exactly. You definitely want to be the one. Oh, sorry. No, I, I, no, I was just going to say you want to be the one uh, carving up a, you know, a bunker in a mountainside in West, in West Texas. Right. And you want to have keep that hidden knowledge, you know, family bloodlines or whatever, or just secret societies where you're going to like you're you, you I mean, it's almost it's it's the same like having the knowledge of when something like this will happen and and uh, how long it will last. And, well, you know, whether you have to be underground for 50 years or 100 years in your. Yeah. Uh, but having having that type of knowledge, it's it's the same thing as like going back in time with like um, like an iPhone or something. It's like, you know, if you went back to like a thousand years with and you just could bring today's knowledge and technology, you'd be so far ahead of the game and the stuff you could do and and conquer. So it's like the same. It, this is it's a similar like benefit you would have. Of having this oh, yeah. of knowledge. the knowledge is is better than the technology the knowledge enables you to recreate the technology and that's why they hide so much stuff in the vatican and uh why they burn like places like the library in alexandria or destroy uh the emerald tablets from egypt yeah uh, or burn and burn and destroy them. yeah that's i'd say air quotes with like the Library of Alexandria, yeah. it's like if I had if there was all this ancient knowledge, I'd just take that for myself and then burn the place and say, "Oh, it was destroyed." But really, like we have that, and we're the only ones. Yeah, that you have got it. all the good stuff. All right, like uh, the <laughs> the Hall of Knowledge underneath the uh, paws of the Sphinx that they say there's nothing down there. Right. <laughs> Freedom bequeathed unto them from a dying age. As I said in the beginning, it has been described from various perspectives. The following is an abbreviated account of the events of the plasma apocalypse as given by my own. The electromagnetic polarity of our world will begin to fluctuate before completely reversing, causing the first signs of what's to come. The sky itself will begin to moan like a woman about to give birth. The sun will disappear for a time, and the world will become very dark. During the neutral point of the polarity shift, the world will experience zero gravity. Everything that isn't attached to the Earth or in it will float. The invisible electromagnetic force field around our world will dissipate, and the physical barrier that keeps the Earth pressurized will break as a massive hole appears in the sky above the North Pole, revealing the plasma vortex that leads to other realms. Bloodlines who have kept the secret of the black hole in the sky and who have prepared over many lifetimes for this moment will enter their rockets and blast off, shooting themselves into the swirling vortex to finally make their escape from this world. Ignorant spectators will only assume their governments are fighting off a strange alien invasion. The hole in the sky will cause the world to depressurize, expanding the atmosphere into instant fog and mist, causing a temporary shortage of oxygen and rupturing eardrums and creating a spiraling wind that will grow into a world storm. The downdraft of that world storm will pull supercooled air from the upper atmosphere down around the Arctic Circle, instantly freezing all it touches into frozen statues of ice. Everything that was floating will be sucked up into the storm towards the opening above the North Pole. Bodies of water that are not sucked out through the opening in the sky will freeze into massive chunks of hail as large as boulders waiting to fall back to the ground and water that isn't frozen will be polluted by the dust and debris of the storm, giving it a blood-like color. 
waiting to rain back down onto this world. The earth will grow in size, causing worldwide earthquakes that will turn much of the soil into mud through liquefaction. With the electromagnetic force field temporarily down, the plasma that spirals around our world will enter into our atmosphere, looking for attractive places to ground itself. The more powerful plasma streams will carve out canyons and tug at the salty, mud-covered ground, creating mountains in short time. Many centers of civilization will sink into the mud, while others will be petrified instantly. Other world- Everybody on board with this so far? Black hole, son! <laughs> this, kid, this dude, uh, in most of his videos, he's like, I, he's like, this is just my best understanding of this. Uh, yes, but in this one, he seems very confident about what's what's going to happen. It's well, pretty. Out I there. like, I like some of it, but you don't have to wipe away the atmosphere for some pretty terrible shit we have evidence for to happen. Um, right, like like those uh, Siberian woolly mammoth that we find that have been flash frozen, where they they find undigested plant material like flowers and such still in their stomach. Um, right, and meaning. It would have had to have been completely frozen all the way through in a, in a matter of minutes, you know, a couple of hours at the most. But what yeah, would cause a, a one of a them huge, had like uh, all of its legs broken? Yeah, yeah, it's, where it's been and it's still blown an over. undigested plant matter in its stomach. So it's yeah. like this thing and there's something happened real fast. Yeah, yeah, and you don't have to wipe away the entire atmosphere for that to happen. So, like with a a storm like a like a fucking hurricane. Well, that's just an area of low pressure. A hurricane is an atmospheric vacuum cleaner. It's sucking everything up into the air, um, which is how it's getting all the water from the ocean. All the it's just a heat exchange, is what it is. Uh, even even tornadoes that blow through, uh, those are extreme low pressure events. And uh, you just drop a few more millibars, and then. Uh, you're able to pull cold air down from the upper atmosphere, but you don't have to erase the entire atmosphere for that to happen. And uh, maybe maybe it's just because I don't want it to happen, but <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't think that uh, a pole reversal of the Earth's magnetic field is going to do anything crazy like that. Uh, the only evidence for magnetic pole reversals we have are from ice core samples, really, and other other samples where uh, magnetic material in in rock or ice has been locked in uh, in the same orientation as the magnetic field. But in order for us to capture a record of that, it has to be reversed for a long time. If the magnetic field flips and then flips right back over, there's not going. It's not going to be a long enough duration to be recorded in anything. It's going to show up in the record as just being in the same old, same old field. But the sun's magnetic field flips pretty quickly, and the sun doesn't, like, blow apart and shit like that. It still has a coronasphere. The sun's right. atmosphere is still there. No, this guy uh, puts a... It, this dude, Jay, puts a lot more supernatural... Uh, this is... It's, all, it's very supernatural. Not quite religious, but definitely supernatural spin on this thing. I mean, he's... Oh, yeah. I, I I think he like he's like legit believes in like dragons and like like uh, titans. Like, have you ever seen the show Final Mm. Space cartoon? No. Mm -mm. So it's pretty good. It's it's hit or miss, but the um, there's aspects of it I really love. It's got like Tom Kenny and David Tennant, and uh, the cast is pretty good. But um, I like that kind of stuff. Uh, 
but I have a hard time with the uh, the real world application of it. Right. Like thinking about multiple dimensions and things is cool, but how how do you prove how it? is it going to happen in the real world? Right. Well, the reason uh, I, the reason I bring up Final Space is because like Titans, like um, like like old, like the like the, giants. Uh, the, a lot of people's interpretation of a plasma apocalypse type thing. Yeah, we're talking mm-hmm. like giant, like possibly like planet-sized beings, like Cthulhu, uh, like. Uh, and yeah. so, like in Final Space, like there's these, like the oldest creatures in the universe that basically give birth to and destroy planets are called Titans. And they're, I mean, these things are like, you know, massive, like, uh, like you see in, um, Marvel movies. Yeah. Like Galactus. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, which I like that shit too. And I also like thinking about well, like the earth and other planets having a consciousness of their own, uh, and maybe the universe as a whole, you could think of as a neural network with all the electromagnetic connections between everything in the universe. Maybe we are just part of a neural network. I definitely believe that. And we're just little sentient atoms. Yeah, I'm I'm we all don't even I'm know it. completely on board on that. Yeah. I think that's more likely than not. Yeah, and the and the universal brain is just laughing, you know. Like like my fucking neurons, man, they think they're running the show. They don't even know. Yeah. They don't even know. Um my yeah, neural I'll- network has a podcast now. <laughs> all the red blood cells. <laughs> red blood, like the red red blood cells are doing podcasts. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, white, yeah. Well, you could extrapolate like white it downward blood cells to where are like the cops they have to like you know they get paychecks. And I think the white blood cells are the are the cops. Obviously, oh, that's what I yeah the white ones. I meant white. We all meant white. Then there's uh, which which what molecule would be like or what uh, what type of cell in your body would be the George Floyd cell? Cancer. <laughs> all right. Worldly creatures and beings that I call phantasoids will enter into our world. The influx of plasma will possess some of the living, reanimate the dead, and bring life to electronics. See? Mm. This is all... Okay. This is all factual so far, right? Well, (laughs) I like bringing the electronics into it because, yes, we live in an electronic world. I mean, this is how you and I are talking right now and how people are listening and how people will listen. Just the arrangement of some electrons that we don't even fully understand the fucking electron yet. We are able to utilize it um, because. Yeah, like people it, like the electron micro penis. I mean, microscope. Yeah, both. <laughs> uh, but if there is a giant influx of uh, plasma, what is that going to do to everything connected to our electrical grid? Uh, where you might even look at the electrical grid, especially with lines being a above the ground as a fucking antenna array just waiting to uh pick some stuff up some extra plasma maybe and the, the uh, plasma all the getting, wires on our house on fire the plasma coming down to earth do you think it could reanimate the dead because that's like the most far i sure as thing. fuck hope so <laughs> that's the most far-fetched thing he said in this so far and there's been a lot yeah i i believe that it would bring our electronics to life like sentient life before that's i believe it would reanimate the dead like physiologically, yeah. you can't reanimate the dead. Not unless plasma. I mean, unless they just down. died, or unless yeah, that unless they just died, or if plasma somehow warps space time to where you're making matter go back in time. That's way more far fetched than having a, a a fucking you know sentient Super Nintendo. 
Like the brave little, brave little toaster. Yeah. Yeah. But for real, you know, my <laughs> Hoover, you know, comes to life and starts to be grumpy and go on adventures. Yeah. Your Kirby brand vacuum turns into a real life Kirby from Nintendo. And he's like, I'm getting the fuck out of this place. I'm like, Kirby, no. Will possess some of the living, reanimate the dead, and bring life to electronics, all of which will submit to its objective to seek out and remove those with the old frequency signature until the plasma is cut off from its source. Smaller strands of plasma will dock with the heads of the plasma possessed and reboot the brains of many survivors wiping their memory of the past. The plasma streams in various forms will set fire to much of the world. Electromagnetic polarity will reverse and a bluish white beam of plasma will shoot up from the center of the earth, up through the North Pole, into the opening in the sky for all to see, also known as Project Bluebeam. The direction of light will reverse, flowing upward, revealing the true nature of our cosmic surroundings. Light will not come from a focal point called the sun, but from the sky itself, and will be various shades of purple, red, orange, and green, depending on one's proximity to the North Pole. The electromagnetic force field will surround our world once again, repelling the rivers of plasma and cutting them off from their source. Our world will be inundated with plasma. A weak electromagnetic force will emerge, allowing leftover floating debris to fall back down to the ground. Meanwhile, objects that crossed the upper atmosphere force boundary will fall upward to their barrier above. Steampunk survivors will sift through the piles of junk that fall to the ground, scavengers of old world artifacts, looking for clues to their past and trying to reverse engineer or repurpose leftover technology. The world will be energized with life by the sudden influx of plasma, which will alchemically create an abundance of oxygen and other elements that will promote extended lifespans. The strong electromagnetic connection between all life forms will promote peace and enable psychic abilities amongst the survivors. Plans Some of this is kind of what we were just talking about. About like yeah, magic that's true. Being, yeah. being possible and yeah. stuff when uh, when planet alignments are different or or plasma energy pulsing through, but this is like, I mean, this is pretty out there. This is pretty. This is pretty out there. This is this is way beyond like the planets used to be closer to Earth for sure. Yeah, but yeah, yeah I'm gonna stop it there. You that's, you get the idea. Plasma like possessed. <laughs> it's uh, which I like that too. Yeah, because I mean, because they like they, this guy's uh, version of plasma is like some kind of spiritual alchemical energy source. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, I'll just say that I don't know. <laughs> There's a whole lot I don't know. Yeah. So whether whether the plasma is supernatural and uh, is sentient and, and therefore can possess things and bring them to life and bring them sentience who the fuck knows i've just i've just always been fascinated by uh our solar system how it works uh the connections between everything and um the fact there's there's so much we don't understand about magnetism and its effects on things i mean shit the, the storm that passed through here today uh crazy ass thunder and lightning just for a brief time you could see it on the radar map it's just caused from convergence lines uh, in in the air, uh, but it's a direct result of um, the extra energy we got from the sun earlier this week. They said, "Hey, it's just left the sun. It's going to be here by Wednesday." What happens on Wednesday? Bah! Fucking hell breaks loose in the sky, and uh, that's been happening well, ever consistently. And we're just now catching up and uh, being able to study it. 
Damn. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I mean, how, plus how, the, how come they, there how is come a magnetic. Will, you know what's fucked up is they won't let you stare at this. I mean, they tell you not to stare directly at the sun for too long. Yeah. Because they don't want you to open your third eye. Because mm. <laughs> if you go blind, mm. your third eye is like it works a lot better. Okay. Okay. Kind of like a. Yeah. If you go blind, you know, your hearing gets better, that sort of thing. Yeah. One sense replaces the other. No, don't. I guess that's not medical advice. Don't stare at the sun. I've never done no, that. No, do. Yeah, go ahead, do it. Okay. <laughs> Just don't say we told you. Yeah, you Snitches didn't hear that get stitches. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, so after I derailed that with that whole magical... Uh, no, I still friend. like that shit. No, I, no. <laughs> I yeah, have no presentation. If you want to go back, uh, if you go back to uh, where we were at on... Well, I mean, uh, like I said, I had no presentation, no real, like... Uh, um, plan uh, just to just really just to talk about it because it's so it's fascinating to me. Um, and these ancient cultures they clearly saw something in the sky happening that we do not see today. You know, we we don't see these magnificent gods in the sky close to the earth. We don't see Mount Olympus or anything else they want to call it a, a pillar in the sky. Uh, we don't see that. They clearly did because cultures that were separate from each other that, as far as we know, had no uh, contact with each other mm -hmm. still have the same um, ideas. They still had the, the basic archetypes. But how? Like what you mentioned about dragons. Um, every culture had a dragon myth. But how? There's no dragon bones that we find. Um, not in the same iteration as the dragon images we see, yet they all had that same basic concept of the dragon. Uh, just And these other archetypal images, like here, I'll flood the chat uh, with these. Uh, a fucking, uh, uh, an eye or a portal in, How did you do in that a hand. So <laughs> I had it all pre, pre ready to go. I was like, whoa. Fast fingers, baby. Yeah. That's why I'm popular with the ladies. No, um, just having it pre-done. Pre uh, but yes, this, uh, this image of a, of an eye in a hand, which could be just a reorientation of that alignment where the plasma discharge from Venus is, uh, taken on new perspective because the alignment is no longer perfect. Mm -hmm. Uh, now, now they're starting to move away from each other and the, the plasma discharge from Venus is starting to, become elongated and uh, give off this shape. And uh, Graham Hancock, you know, he, he reported stuff, you know, in ancient Egypt and in North America of uh, those two cultures having a similar idea about the constellation Orion being uh, the portal to the afterlife. But the Native Americans, they didn't see it as Orion the hunter or as a person. It was, it was a hand in the sky, uh, oriented downward like fingers downward um but the eye wasn't an eye to them it was a portal uh almost like a spiral and um so they might have seen that shit or had memory of their ancestors seeing it and the stories just get passed down as preparation right. like beware this could happen again and um are there theories about when this type of alignment or anything even close to are there theories about when this would happen again like how soon there are I mean, I, people that say it it it's you know due to happen but it's you know people also say that uh 
National uh, or Yellowstone is due to erupt at any time. It erupts every 60,000 years, and it's it's been 80,000 years since it erupted last, so we're overdue. Bound to happen. Truth is, we don't know. Right. Well, yeah. Um, But we have evidence that it's... uh, that it's erupted in the past. And so we think that it could erupt again. And uh, just like with the sun, um, you know, leaving these, this planetary alignment that seems a little far-fetched, but anything's possible the way I, I see it when it comes to space shit, because we don't know. We don't fucking know about space uh, yeah, or we anything have a tiny, even in our a near... Tiny window of time that we've been monitoring it, and we think because it's yeah. all stable... And acting a certain way now that it's always been that way and it will always be that way, which is very yeah. arrogant to the The that. more we see, the more anomalies we find that uh, show us that really that's not the case. <clears throat> but for some reason, and I mean, it's part of the scientific method, excuse me, that, um, uh, you, you know, you need to uh, be a little skeptical of uh, new ideas and, and vet them and make sure they hold up to scrutiny. I understand that, but you can't just outright dismiss everything. You got to give shit a a chance. You got to at least, you got to at least look at all the possibilities and these ancient cultures. Science. Oh no, not the science. (laughs) I I mean, seeing, seeing these images from various places uh, all around the same time frame too. Like they, they all had to have seen something they didn't just out of nowhere like record factual things and then just decide to record non-factual things and put them in the same place you know what i mean like yeah either go from these symbols uh in relation to what have been being sky recordings either they're embedded and encoded in our dna in our genetics in in humans genetics so that we all same same with pyramids. How come there are pyramids all over? Is it because humans somehow in their genetics have these blueprints how to build these things already in our genetic coding? Kind of like how a bee builds a beehive? Or is it because there was, which is more likely probably, that they were all seeing the same thing around the world in the sky? Well, that's where the genetic code, that genetic memory, that's where it comes from. It comes from experience. Like right. our genetic code, the... You know, the fight or flight uh, uh, reactions that, that people have, that that comes from a real place. That comes from our ancestors um, having to survive like that and fight fucking saber-toothed tigers and shit. Like, you had to be on alert and you had to have, you had to develop a mechanism in order to help you do that. But it came from experience. And uh, these these archetypal images, they they wouldn't be archetypes. It wouldn't be uh, prevalent in all humans unless all humans experienced it at some point. It, the genetic memory just doesn't uh, make shit up. It it comes from adaptation, right? And so, uh, you know, so the, you, did, that, you weren't just you weren't just born, uh, you know, uh, knowing certain things. You had to you had to experience it. It's like See, the, uh, those studies they do with the baby chicks, and they fly like a. Close over, they'll fly like a the shape of a big square, or the shape of like a, a triangle, or the shape of you know a giraffe or whatever, over these chickens, and they'll be completely fine. But they fly just the shape of like a hawk, yep. head out of a hawk over them, and they all start freaking out. It's, it's mm-hmm. it, and they've never been outdoors. You know? 
So yeah, there's definitely encoded genetic memory in all species. Why not humans? The drawings um, on rocks and the carvings and all these these similar images of a plasma man and all this these different types of things. The hand were they? Do you? And this is obviously speculation, um, but do you think that this is post-apocalyptic? Like people, these are the survivors just kind of scrawling down what they see, and this is probably after the great. Um, you know, the pyramids and everything have been built. And uh, after Atlantis, if Atlantis actually existed, you know, goes underwater and all this stuff, most of these these drawings are probably from the uh, the survivors of that event or the, you know, that, generations after that still see that in the sky. That, I, I wonder about that too. Um, I, I honestly don't know, but I don't know much of anything. Um, uh, somebody had to have seen it at one point in order to pass it down. And um, I think, you know, like the Greeks and the Romans with their their mythology about the gods, that was probably more of the human memory aspect of it, of we don't necessarily remember what all of this means, but it's been passed down for so long. We just got we just keep doing it. Um, mm-hmm. But the but the event that led up to it, the and the reason for like the reason for the perpetuating the story, like that's faded away. But at one point, they saw it and, um, and, and passed it on. And it was probably like with these, these rock uh, drawings and things, uh, a direct observation. Like, ooh, what the fuck is that? I don't know, but I'm going to paint it on this rock or etch it into this rock. Right. And um, so they, yeah, like I said, but there is a, the fact that uh, in human history, ev- all over the earth, people just moved into caves went underground and so that was more than likely a direct result of what was happening in the sky because with with an event like it's not going to be peaceful either i I mean just think about it the planets how everything is nice and balanced now everything's relatively peaceful sure like it caused havoc when the planets moved closer and then regained the balance because the plasma discharge only comes from the differential the the potential and so you have a a planet with a higher potential than another one it's going to balance that equation with a discharge but then things settle down but then when shit starts moving again that's when it ramps all back up and uh if that discharge does find its way to earth to ground yeah these huge ass lightning bolts they they will carve craters out of the ground it will fling uh, material up into the sky, like mud rain. Uh, there have been plenty of cultures that reported mud rain, uh, and that was part of their myths and legends. Frog rain. That will happen. Fish rain. Or, or, yeah, frogs raining. I mean, shit, not that long ago. It was last year uh, here, close by me, in, a, in Texarkana, which is a, a 40-minute drive. It was raining fish because <laughs> these tiny fish got sucked up in a storm. Yeah, and then fell back to earth. So you know it it will wreak havoc, and people will fucking flee and and go live in a cave or die. Um, but they'll they'll also record it and go, hey guys, uh, look out for these signs. What are these signs? Well, it's all this shit we saw in the sky. Yeah, and, and um, well, the in the um that that kind of a planetary alignment, especially when Saturn and you know everything is so close to Earth, that 
is something that has to take place. I would imagine it's not happening overnight. It's not like we're Saturn's all the way over there and all of a sudden, bam, it's right on right in right in front of us. No, um, and so no. it would have to slowly, you know, get back and well, get to its current alignment now over time too. So, I mean, I would have. I don't. I'm. It's like was this. It couldn't have been just like a day or a week that this was in the sky. I mean, it could have been a thousand years or something. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because a lot of these images, uh, you know, they they come from later and later. And like with, uh, uh, you know, I was sharing images earlier of Venus and how, you know, um, it was like a star and it was all all nice and pretty and all that sort of thing. Well, like Mars, you know, it it's part of the the whole storyline as well and um you know, what according to uh, that the symbols of an alien sky which i'm not taking as absolute fact or anything but it is very interesting and it does uh tie these correlations between these different archetypes together with um uh, with with just a theory doesn't mean it's true or anything i mean fuck the big bang is a theory and there's no way to with the Big Bang, you can't recreate that shit in a fucking lab. But what you can recreate in a lab are these plasma discharge events. And that's Aren't they trying to provable. recreate the Big Bang at the Hedron Collider, CERN? Oh, yeah, but shit, for as often as they, they run that motherfucker versus how often they actually collide particles together, it, that shit's so inefficient. And it's, it's full of errors. And... Uh, you know, it's a waste of money. They're doing something else with that fucking money sink. I just don't like how they have a statue of Shiva, the god of destruction, right on top. Well, you know, who does Shiva resemble? But those, what they're saying in this this film of uh, the planet Venus with its tendrils, mm -hmm. uh, its multiple arms, all from that plasma discharge starting to go awry. And the Shiva uh, statue they have has a wheel down. around it. Or we, or like a yeah. circle around it. Exactly. And I mean... Yeah. Okay, I might be wrong, and gravity might rule the fucking roost, but it might not. Magnetism might, and the planets uh, being magnetically bound to the sun may be able to move around a little more freer than we thought they could. And, I mean, should we see uh, stars governed more by their magnetic field than their gravitational field? That's what magnetars are. What did you call but that? we have a no magnetar? problem with those. Magnetar. I don't know what that is. It's a star with a crazy fucking magnetic field. Crazy Damn. huge. Yeah. But magnetism runs the show there. No, we got no problem with that. And Saturn being a gas giant, there's so much about it we don't understand. The only information we can get from Saturn is what we get from its surface. Because we can't, we can't peer down below the clouds in Saturn. We see its effects on the ring system. We see its effects on its other moons. And that's it. You can send a probe to it, but the probe can only go a certain depth before it can no longer transmit. And so we don't know fucking shit about it. We do know it has a hexagon, a very clear and distinct hexagon on its south pole in the clouds. And what the fuck causes that? Yeah, that's... Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Saturn is like... I don't know, Saturn creeps me out. Especially hey, the like other weird fucking thing is there are hexagonal craters on mars and uh when you get hit from a space rock it doesn't leave a hexagon shaped crater it leaves a round one so what the fuck causes hexagon shaped 
craters on Mars. Now, what they have been able to recreate in the lab is plasma discharge, leaving a hexagon-shaped crater. Not really? an okay. asteroid impact. Oh, yeah. Plasma discharge, a.k.a. lightning bolts, do all sorts of shit that can also be attributed to a solid impactor like an asteroid or uh, a comet. Do but we, you don't need any of that shit, really. Uh, have, have plasma weapons been invented? Like plasma rifles so. and stuff? Like from Halo. Right, yeah. Or the plasma sword. I wonder if that's huh. actually a thing. Like, I mean, not obviously not in widespread use, but I wonder if people have created plasma. Oh, here you go. Plasma guns, fact or fictional? Homemade plasma rifle? It looks like people are at least attempting to do that. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Whoa, I'm going to put this in the chat. This guy looks awesome. Oh, yeah, do it. Homemade plasma rifle. Should I play? Should I oh. play? It, it's only a minute long. I'm going to play it, see what it is. There are some plastic bottles. It's great fun. Well, he's not even shooting cool plasma. Sound. He's just shooting a really high-speed ping-pong ball. It's like... Well, now it's dark. Let's see how this thing looks at night. Okay, actually, this is really fucking cool. Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> I don't know if it's actual uh, plasma, though. What has he got in there? No, it looks like it. With the propane cylinders, then I saw map gas. It has methylene, acetylene, propylene gas in there. So that ups the flame temperature. Okay, and also lowers... The ignition temperature. The lower ignition temperature means that it'll travel further through the tubing. The second thing I like about the okay, map yeah, this is, pretty is cool. the color. So propane will I, just give you a blue. Map gas is nice green overtones and blue green, so it has much better color. Beautiful. Flawless. This one turned out really nice. It's a good one. It looks like it doesn't have much power. It's almost like it's shooting like a fart out by the time it gets. To well, the no, end. it diffuses. Like as it comes out, it doesn't. It doesn't retain, uh, um, it's uh, um, not condensed, but maybe coalesced, whatever the right term is, where it, it stays consistently um, like a laser beam or whatever. Right. Uh, you know, a condensed stream. It doesn't stay that way. It, it immediately diffuses when it comes out of the barrel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the one of the comments on here, if a guy in a garage made this, Think what the military must have behind closed doors. So yeah, I, they probably have plasma weapons by now. I mean, why wouldn't I mean, you try at least? Dude, look what I mean. That's what galaxies do, though. If you've ever seen these images of galaxies with these jets coming out of the north and south pole of the the center of the galaxy, that's a plasma jet, and they retain their shape and structure for thousands of light years. That's a huge distance. Yeah, and it's just a a consistent jet of uh plasma what the fuck causes that yeah and how come we like, don't know there's uh galaxies or nebulas that look exactly like the human eye and shit but only from where we're well at, that's kind of fake from earth that's kind of fake a lot it's of these images we NASA, see did nasa trick me again yeah any image you NASA, see man of every like time nebula I think or cool galaxies space, NASA nah it's all false color imaging like oh, they just uh, they take X-rays and uh, various wavelengths of ultraviolet and even uh, infrared, and then they colorize it to a color that we can see, and then uh, make composite photos of all these various images, uh, false color images. That's all. Space doesn't fucking look like that. We couldn't see half that shit they show us. That's why those old photographs of uh, of galaxies and shit from the seventies, everything looks red and orange 
because that's what it actually fucking looks like. Right. Okay. So the, but the, the plasma in space, that's like, you know, huge plasma streams, that stuff is visible with the naked eye or no. Yeah. In some wavelengths. Yes. Yeah. But it, it's high energy. So it's giving off X-ray and gamma ray, which is, you know, the shit that made the incredible Hulk. Oh yeah. Bruce Banner. Yeah. No, highly energetic. Like the type of energy that, uh, well, it breaks down molecules. Pretty neat. Damn. Well, you got any more uh, Robert Shock? Uh, oh, well, I mean, um, I think it's stuff I had already pretty much reiterated. I'm looking through these images. I'll just do an image dump because these are all interesting. Okay. Um, they are more of this planetary alignment with plasma discharge. And these, it's the archetype of the, uh, the pillar in the sky. Uh, so, like atlas holding up the earth and all that kind of stuff right but uh could be real world mars being close and the connection between uh saturn venus and mars mars is giving off the plasma discharge and is reddish in color because mars you know and of course this is all a stylized imagery from this film but it is comparing the archetypal images from different cultures and you know could explain why they look so similar and the horns of the bull being the uh, the crescent shape of the actual sun lighting up uh, only a portion of of Saturn. So this pillar and, would be what plasma that's like coming towards yeah. Earth. Yeah, yeah, and then finally making a connection with Earth. So it would look like uh, you know Mount Olympus. Wow, uh, where that legend could very well have come from is the. Uh, the realm of the gods, you know, being here. And like you said, with Atlantis, too. Yeah, I mean, it literally uh, looks like a bridge to uh Yeah, to or, or or Jacob's Ladder. Yes. And um, and then these images... Ladder to heaven. Are, are, right, are, are showing a little more of that with the, this crazy stylized image of what this plasma discharge could look like coming from Venus after... After Saturn has le left the picture, you'll get um, uh, this uh, kind of a symmetrical uh, four-way, almost like a cross of a plasma discharge. And and we know that plasma can do this because plasma is affected by magnetic fields. We do that all the time. I mean, shit, that's how CERN crashes particles together, is steering them with a magnetic field. That's why it takes so long. Why they usually miss is because they have to constantly align these magnets to steer those particles a single atom at a time around that circle until they hit each other. And we know that plasma can create recognizable geometric patterns like this. And um, could be why Journey wrote that fucking song. Where the myth of Atlantis comes from, like the realm of the gods, the, the, mm -hmm. the archetype of a great city divided by either four rivers or four winds, that, that sort of deal, um, from seeing this plasma discharge as it's breaking down in the sky. And if you're used to seeing it and then it starts to go away, well, then, then you're going to start freaking out too. Like, no, wait, come back. What did we do wrong? Like Saturn just up and leaves. And there is the several legends from different cultures. And I can't name them off the top of my head, but you know, uh, I'm sure you're going to share that uh, symbols of a alien sky in, in your show notes. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah where uh, I said Saturn just went from 
being on top, like in the sky, like straight up ahead, uh, to going and being on the opposite side and then leaving. Yeah, completely. Well, I mean, uh, now it's like you gotta. I mean, you really got to get a telescope, a decent telescope, to even see the rings. Like it's definitely not. Yeah. Yeah, because now it's out beyond Jupiter. It's way out there, and uh, but if you Dude, if worship Jupiter was Saturn, close by that would be crazy. That you wouldn't be able to see anything but Jupiter if it was that close. Well, if if Jupiter was close by and it started receiving charge from the sun, uh, we would see Saturn glow. And if we were caught inside that glow, I mean, we wouldn't be able to see anything else but the red glow from from Jupiter's plasma discharge, which would be nuts. Which is probably why we haven't heard from aliens, because, you know, the habitable habitable zone around a star, like like where they say the Earth is, the Goldilocks zone for life, where it's just right. Uh, there's also a habitable zone around gas giants like Jupiter, uh, where you're inside its magnetic field like that, but you're living on a moon. But a lot of these that we observe in outer space, like way the fuck out there, they glow red. And uh, we can't see inside that red glow, but we we surmise that the conditions would be right for life inside there. But if the conditions for life were right and life did form in there because of all the radio interference that comes from uh, a gas giant like Jupiter, you wouldn't be able to receive radio signals and you wouldn't be able to receive or put any out. So we wouldn't even know they were fucking there and they wouldn't know we were here. Like, yeah, there might be life out in the universe and there probably is, but it's probably uh, cloaked in a, a magnetic shield that it cannot penetrate and yeah, we can't might, penetrate either and it might be a naturally occurring shield or like an intentional one that they set up because they don't want like, oh, there is like I'm a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of life there's a lot operation. of life out there and a lot of it might not be friendly you'd probably want to just uh, make it look like there you don't have anybody over nobody over here don't look over here well and there's no reason uh no reason to assume it would look like us with two legs, two arms, a head, a torso. There might be fucking alien sentient jellyfish living in the clouds of uh, gas giants for all we know. The cl- there might be sentient clouds. Shit. Giant spaghetti monsters. I found the uh, Jacob's Ladder song. Alan Jackson is, of course, the man who wrote the song Where Were You When the World Stopped Turning about the tragedies on September 11th. And now he's here once again to capitalize on people's emotions. Let's listen in. Where were you when they built the ladder to heaven? Did it make you feel like crying? Or did you think it was kind of gay? <laughs> it's kind of gay. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I mean, these archetypes have to come from somewhere. And the similarities shouldn't be ignored because cultures all across the earth have uh, similar archetypal images. And uh, more than likely a similar experience that gave them uh, this imagery and the, and the, the, the need to uh, share it and to make sure, hey, you know, just remember, like, if you see this shit in the sky, it's about to get bad. Shit's about to get fucked up. So but the golden age was before this. When trip. Saturn was uh, Saturn was overhead, the great sun, the uh, uh, yeah, the great sun is what they called it. Uh, some cultures anyway. So, but there's now, plenty of texts from ancient Egypt sh- that talk about it. But the, these images you're showing with the wheel was when things supposedly got real bad. That's after Saturn left. And, uh, yeah, when Saturn left and you're a culture that worshiped Saturn, what do you do? 
you start freaking the fuck out and try and bring it back. And some cultures uh, started sacrificing babies. Yeah. Or eating them. Because that makes, that tracks, that makes sense. We must have done something wow. really bad. To correct this course, let's do something really, really bad. Religions nowadays still do that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, you're a non-believer. That's bad. What am I going to do? Kill you. <laughs> yeah. That'll make yeah. you believe, sucker. <laughs> oh, man. No, I, I love thinking about all this kind of stuff and, and researching it, but it always leaves me with more questions. Yeah. I'm always now and, I'm, I'm going to be dreaming. Oh, there's about so this. much more, man. Like when I was, I kept, I avoided going down so many different rabbit holes. Um, when, uh, when I was trying to, when you asked like, what do you want to do a show about? I'm like, hmm, hmm, ooh, this. And you're like, cool. Never heard of it. Let's do it. Then I was like, all right, I got to gather some shit together. And then I started finding more stuff I hadn't, uh, hadn't read before. I'm like, oh, wait, nope. I can't go there yet. But there are so many implications when it comes to um, what they call the electric universe, where gravity is not the main driver of everything in the cosmos, but electromagnetism is. And uh, if that's the case, that implies all sorts of things. And uh, next time uh, we talk about this, uh, I want to bring more and uh, get into some of that, like the implications of uh, things we observe, like. The things we observe that we can't explain how uh, electromagnetism explains a lot of it if we we're, you know, just open-minded about it. That's mm -hmm. all it takes. My favorite Frank Zappa quote is, uh, the mind is like a parachute. It only works when it's open. <laughs> I love that. Hell yeah. It's true. Dude, yeah, thanks. Thanks again, man. We got to, we need to, thanks for inviting uh, we me. Need to maybe do another one of these next month. Hell yeah. I'm down like a it. clown. Hey, you're going to be on... With us at Hog Story, me and Carolyn, tomorrow, correct? Are you still on for yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, Call-in show? I forgot about that. Hell yeah. I'm excited. Me too. It's going to be a lot of fun. Maybe we can uh, even prank call some people. <laughs> uh, yeah. When that, works, it's, we'll see. when that works, it's fun, but it's only... Uh, that shit's so great. It's I, hard. Uh, it's, it's especially doing a live show. Like, you, know, you never know when you're just going to end up getting like a endless loop of calling people and them not picking up. Well, we up got a phone. phone number we can call. Uh, that guy that was posting his number all over Austin in hopes of getting in touch with Nicolas Cage. Uh, <laughs> we have his number, so. Dude, that'd be a guest for the show, honestly. I mean. Um, but yeah, tomorrow, man, Hog Story. Yeah, I, that's, I forgot that was this week. That would be awesome. Oh, yeah. Hey, if you're still able to do it, we're able to have you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be free. Um, it's going to be great. And then uh, in one minute, Nick the Rat starts. So maybe uh, before we close out this show, we could ask. You reach Nick the Rat Radio. Please leave a message after about. the beep. Let's ask him what he thinks. Hey, Nick, this is this is John and Chris overdoing abs in a six-pack, and we wanted to know what you thought about Saturn and planets. And uh, what was the question, John? Uh, um, I don't remember. Uh, do you? Do you think planets uh, could be sentient? Are planets alive? Can they be? Can they move closer to us? Can planets come? If if one if one planet gets too like if Saturn gets too close to Earth, can we get a restraining on her? Or can we meet to Saturn? Can we get a restraining order on them? Yeah, because we got a consent for that. Yeah. Anyway, Nick, well, uh, just hope you have hope you're having a good night and uh, hope you. 
have it. Hope you don't have, hope, uh, and, and then, uh, in, uh, mayo, please. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, planet questions. I was trying to think of a, a Beyonce joke in Saturn. Like, should I put a ring on it? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's something in there. There's a whole parody song. Yeah, there's there. something there. Somewhere in there. A whole parody song on that. The Saturn's got a D ring, by the way. What's a D ring? You know, instead of a cock ring, it's a it's a dick ring, a D ring. Oh, <laughs> oh, well, oh. I mean, it also has a C ring. So, but you know, but D ring. How do you feel about yeah. guys with earrings? You know, I don't trust them. Yes, yeah, I mean, I have friends. I have a couple of friends that got earrings. I was like, uh, hmm. My oldest brother used to have an earring in the early nineties. Just the one. Didn't trust him. I'll tell you what, but I mean, this has been said before by not just me, but black guys can pull off earrings. That's fucking true, man. You see a black dude, both ears pierced and fucking sparkly ass <laughs> diamonds in there. You're like, fuck, I wish I was as cool as you. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. And then there's, I mean, there's gauges. Yeah. That's even worse. I think they're just weird. There's like, um, my no ex-wife had her gauges. ears gauged. I mean, if it's not like, a, like if it's a small gauge, I'm fine with it. But those ones that are like you know huge, like like uh, fist size. hers were like a a sixteen. I want to say is the gauge, so she could fit a number two pencil easily through there. Oh, I'm talking ones where you could fit like I'm talking ones that are as big as my fist. <laughs> I've seen people. Oh yeah, those. no, like because uh, your fucking ear doesn't grow back after a certain size. Like a sixteen, yeah, sure, that's it. It no, might that's grow reasonable. back. I'd put, yeah, yeah, that's reasonable. But, like, you're going over, like, up upward of a half an inch and shit like that. Anything over in that, your ear's not growing back. You're going to have, like, saggy fucking weird ear loops uh, as an old person. You could tie them, you could tie them up into a bow. Well. Your ear loops. You could tie can you throw up. them over your shoulder like a continental soldier? Do your ears hang low. Like they would do in that case. As someone told me the other day that your ears never stop growing. That's true. Same with your nose. Hmm. Yeah, that's why... You see a bunch of old men with giant-ass noses. And giant ears. And giant ears. Yep. No, they never stop growing. Never. Do it. Do well, it. John, thank you for hanging. And uh, I've, Thanks I, for I, letting I think me hang. Is, I think this is the start of a good new recurring series we can do if you're down. I like it. The, this shit really interests me. And, um, yeah, I'm down. I appreciate it. Appreciate you letting me come on here. Always. Thanks for hanging, man. Thanks for listening, everybody in the chat. And uh, we'll be back Next week. You disrespected science. Watch out for your cornhole, bud. Do you fear this man's invention that they call atomic power? Are we all in great confusion? Do we know the time or When a terrible explosion may rain down upon our land Leaving horrible destruction blotting out the works of man Are you ready for that great atomic power? Will you rise and meet your Savior in the air? Will you shout or will you cry when the fire rains from on high? Are you ready for that great atomic power? There is one way to escape it, be prepared.
crazy hot and crazy huge and they just ignore it they're like mm, we don't know we don't know what caused that somebody must have lit a fire underneath it and just kept that fire going day in day out till it did this to the rock it's like yeah okay but why why would you waste your goddamn time keeping a fire going next to a granite statue for what purpose <laughs> yeah yeah there's no motivation there that makes any no. sense no well just like the story about aliens coming here and fucking abducting hillbillies and fucking uh uh you know surgically cutting out the assholes of cows like why oh would God. they waste their goddamn time doing that half that they come all this way find and you know quote intelligent life and all they do is hang out on the perimeter of our vision and fuck with us and they only fuck with fucking hillbillies out in the desert why there's a great bill hicks j joke about that uh, oh yeah can't remember exactly how it, uh, but it's um, you know, it's like why uh, I I can't even do it justice to butcher. I might as well look it up. But the whole this like half this episode, I kept thinking in my head about that OBDM drop that Midnight Mike plays from Ancient Aliens. It's like ancient astronaut theorists say yes. <laughs> oh yeah, see, I need to start just labeling myself as a ancient uh, astronaut. I think anybody not ancient astronaut theorist, but I I want to say uh. Some tied to like all this, but I got to find the right words for it. So like, um, mm, uh, cosmic plasma, something, you know, something like that. I'll have to work on it. Find the concise, uh, words, you know, the economics of words. I think I might've found it. the, uh, one of the, he had a couple UFO I bits. I'm wondering if I can find the, uh, the actual Bill Hicks UFO quote I was thinking. Oh, okay. I'm down south recently. I'm playing a town called Fife, Alabama. All right, it's right outside Sputnenburg. For those of y'all who need a <laughs> point of reference, all right. Anyway, I'm down there in Fife. They want me to host their annual Ricketts telethon. All right, whatever. 
It's great to be able to give Sweet. something back. <laughs> anyway, in this town, this is absolutely true. It was in all the papers. It was on CNN. <laughs> Apparently, everyone in this town saw these UFOs. Everyone in the town saw the UFOs. Police chief, mayor, they all saw the fucking UFOs, all right? And I'm curious. I asked people what it was like. Oh, man, it was incredible, incredible. People came from miles around to look at them. A lot of people came armed. Excuse me? People are bringing shotguns to UFO sightings. Don't you think there's a point where we're going to drop the fucking weapons? I mean, <laughs> the mothership comes. Uh, maybe we don't know everything. <laughs> wow. Not like some intergalactic fucking skeet shoot. Ah, there goes one out. <laughs> bringing shotguns to UFO sightings, man. Kind of brings whole new meaning to that phrase, you ain't from around here, are you, boy? <laughs> yep, they're little green people. We call them boogers. That was not even what I was looking for, but okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, in a direct message, I sent you uh, that folder with all the photos, and then... Um, a link to the other, uh, like, excerpt from the page of a uh, uh, Anthony Peratt. Awesome. Which I did also find on archive.org, uh, a copy of a book by him, Phys Phy the Physics of the Plasma Universe. Uh, I didn't go over anything really from it necessarily, but I, I'll share it with you anyway, just in case. What, what uh, Physics of the Plasma Universe? Oh, yeah, it's all in a... Here uh, in IRC, I'm sending you the links via. IRC. Oh yeah, yeah, I got it. And then Same I'll way. um I'll share uh that uh Robert Shock. That page isn't loading for some reason. Oh, which one? The archive.org one. Oh, it's not. It might mm -hmm. just be archive.org. Kind of runs like if I remember right, that website kind of loads slow in, in the past. Oh, maybe. it could be. Um, I reloaded for me, <clears> but <throat> let me see if I can go back and just find different way. Copy link this way. Let's see if it's any different. Do so. Oh, the, yeah. Okay. So wait, that might work now. The um, just had to take off the mode, the theater mode bullshit. Oh yeah, the first one you sent finally loaded too. <laughs> oh okay. Um. Uh. So book of revel in book of revelations, you know how there's like all the signs talks about the signs in the heaven is like one of the main focuses, and like the, yeah. the the four corners of the earth or what, the the skies are ripped open and like the star wormwood falls from the sky and. The um all the signs in heaven are like the main focus of people looking up into the heavens and, and seeing what's going on. Pretty much every uh, religion, even predating that, seemed like they were pretty heavily focused on the on the stars. But there's not that much descriptive that I've seen details of like literally planets being right next to Earth. And well, I'm they just uh, why that is probably just... because there weren't many recorded writings back when the planets were that close. Well, the, um, those cultures, that's where we get the names for the planets from. Um, but like, cause the Babylonians and the, the Sumerians, they have detailed astronomical charts and that's what they called those objects, uh, were the, their names for those planets. Oh, I'm sorry. They were also the names for those gods as well. And so it's. It's logical to think that they were one and the same uh, and that they were observing those planets and that when they talked about those gods being, uh, you know, on Earth and angry or whatever behavior they were saying they were exhibiting, 
it could be because the 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 planets were doing that because they they had no distinction between the gods and the planets they called them the same names yeah i'm wondering yeah i don't know i'm think i'm trying to think like in a like what i would use if i didn't have the term planet necessarily in my vocabulary and i just saw like something that close to earth a big ball or a bunch of big balls right by earth like yeah. i guess like well, god would be one of the things that comes to mind if you don't have another descriptor calling them gods yeah or a god or a, a hero or a villain like venus being attributed to a, a mother goddess and then all of a sudden she gets pissed off as crazy tendrils coming out of her hair or or multiple arms like uh Kalima. 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 Khan. Yeah. Khan. Or Mars, the bringer of war, which is uh, that's a pretty cool Candy piece Company? of orchestral music of, uh, by Holtz. Um, I want to hit this guy up and have him make me one of these plasma guns. That shit's fucking cool. Fucking cool. But yeah, I mean, plasma's fucking cool. And that explains a lot of shit we see with these, uh, these rocky bodies around us, like the moon. Mars fucking fucking why the fuck is Venus so weird like so all the planets orbit you know in a similar direction we all rotate in the same direction with two exceptions Venus which rotates in the opposite direction and Venus's year uh, is shorter than a full day on Venus you know so a day is shorter than a full Earth day. No, no, no. Well, yes, but so a day on Venus, you know, the amount of time it takes the planet to make one full rotation on its axis, that takes longer than it does for Venus to make one complete rotation around the sun, one complete orbit around Damn, the sun. so Venus is moving fast. No, it's moving super slow. I mean, it's moving faster than we are because it's, it's closer so close in orbit. Sun. Yeah, but it's spinning so slow that it doesn't make one complete spin on its axis. Uh, until after a year has passed, meaning a Venus year. Oh, uh, I thought the you time were... it takes to go around the sun one time, it takes longer for it to make one rotation on its own axis. So its day is longer than its year. I thought you were saying that Venus goes all the way around the sun in twenty four in less than twenty four Earth hours. Oh no, 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 no! Just the like, definition of a day meaning one complete right, rotation right. on its so axis. I was thinking, I was thinking, man, that thing is just zipping around. <laughs> no, it spins so slow, and it yeah. spins backward. I wonder... So its day like moves backward, but why? So if we all formed from the same accretion disk at the same time around the same star, then that wouldn't happen. The same with. Uranus or Uranus is people who are afraid to pronounce it Uranus. Um, it spins on its side. Its rotational axis is, uh, you know, what would we would observe as its equator instead. It's spinning on its side. Uh, why the fuck did that happen? We don't know. Uh, it doesn't have a, a dipole type of magnetic field like we do with a north and south pole. It has multiple poles. And so if it was formed from all the same shit, what the fuck happened? They claimed, oh, well, at one point in its history, uh, its rocky core must have been struck by uh, by something, and it knocked it over on its side. Oh, okay. <laughs> However the fuck that makes sense, as if we even know that it has a rocky core, it could be completely gaseous, and anything would just pass right through it or get just gobbled up. So saying that it got hit and then knocked over on its side like it's 
in some kind of precarious balancing act out in space is absurd. We don't know what the fuck it's doing out there. Yeah. No, we have no idea. No, I mean, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the fact that the moon spins around Earth and rotates the opposite the way same that rate. Earth does at the same rate to where we never get to see the other side of the moon, even though the moon is spinning the opposite way the Earth is. Yeah, it's uh, tidally locked. That's just freaky. With us. Shit right there makes yeah. me believe that there's like a higher order and higher power stuff. Shit, the part on. that really freaks me out about the moon is the fact that uh, a large portion of its surface has been heated to the point where the rock was red hot and then allowed to cool. Um, but there's no volcanism on the moon. And the that that event that heated up its surface to where it was red hot, it formed tiny little glass uh, spheres uh, because the thermal nature of anything, when it's heated up to the point of uh, being red hot, it forms a, a sphere. And we can do that here on Earth. We, we do it with sand. We do it with all sorts of things. We, that's how BBs are made. They heat up iron till it's red hot uh, or steel, you know, and drop it from a great distance so it, it cools uh, before it hits the bottom and it won't deform. That's uh, pretty neat. But so on the moon, something heated it up where it made little glass spheres and then they cooled and under their own weight, they kind of elongated like squished down uh so there's these little ovioid uh glass beads all on the surface of the moon but not the entire surface just a portion of it uh, but it happened recently because there's no evidence of uh, impact or volcanoes volcanism well, what the fuck caused that well it could have been the sun giving off a giant outburst of plasma just decides to just unleash a fucking solar burp just whoop, and you know, hit it with uh, some some plasma, superheat it. And if that's the fucking case, what the fuck did it do to anything else in its path? Did it perhaps wipe away Mars's atmosphere and magnetic field? Is and a destroy the of, civilization on Mars? Force them to go yeah. underground <laughs> or come here? Yeah, I mean, I like, I do. I've always liked the theory that I've always thought that too. That like, yeah, that we started on Mars and then there was, like, we had yeah. to come here. That kind of explains why we don't exactly fit here. Mm -hmm. Why we, instead of evolve or like manage to live with the planet like every other animal does, live in its environment and coexist and adapt to it, we just like take it the fuck over, cut down trees and shit and like kill all the animals around us and all that kind of crap. Because we weren't born here, just like Venus didn't form with the rest of us. We probably picked it up along the way at some point. And what if Mars was closer? Which made the trip from Mars to Earth easier. Yeah, like a couple like, of inches. Oh shit! Like a like Mars and Earth were like a couple inches away, and you just what had if to there like was an actual over. bridge, an actual bridge, you know, between the two, or Damn. or anything? Uh, like we saw the fucking event happen. It, like it happened, it wiped away the magnetic or turned off the magnetic field, which over time would just allow the uh, atmosphere to be pushed away by the solar wind. But it's a process, so it didn't kill everybody immediately and they're like we gotta get the fuck out of here what are we gonna do just leave all this shit like you know how long it took us to make that fucking face just leave it we gotta go i have a clip i for totally forgot to play 19 this is from abc news uh, uh australia a 1965 scientist australia claimed that the moon was made of plasma so that oh, landing okay. on it wouldn't be possible Ooh, neat 
Well, now, one thing, you have a theory about the moon, and we expect to be able to get observable facts about the moon fairly soon. Um, what is your theory? Well, uh, it is by now rather more than a theory. Uh, 10 or 11 years ago, I stated to various scientists that the moon is not a piece of rock, but it is a plasma, a plasma phenomenon, a cosmic plasma. Mm. Uh, and that this fact will eventually be confirmed. I made certain predictions which were already confirmed in 1958, and the situation now is coming close to a complete confirmation. What will be the result if you are proved to be correct in your theories? The result will be uh, profound and decisive because it will give proof that a complete reinvestigation re of the laws of nature is necessary. Because if the moon is a plasma, no man will ever land on it, the soft landing attempts will all fail. That means that the mass of the moon is less, far less, than is currently assumed. It's in a different state of energy and it has far less mass. That means there is no more explanation for the tides. If the moon, for example, had only a thousandth part of its current mass, then the tides would only be two inches high and the conventional theories instead of sometimes 14 feet. And that means that if it is proved that the moon is a plasma, then all gravitational theories are out and the new concept of the cosmos and of its laws has to be evolved. Aren't you being a bit adventurous, though, because uh, you know that we're going to be able to test out your theories on the moon fairly soon. You know adventures well, are dangerous, yeah. don't you? <laughs> Why are you making us? <laughs> um, it, it is, I mean, if the moon is made of plasma, that would definitely be a good reason, one of the reasons why we had to fake that footage. Oh, I think we faked it for different reasons. Yeah. <laughs> test out your theories on but the moon But they faked soon. it. Well, not anymore. Eleven years ago, uh, of course, uh, it was rather taking a risk. I was considered a lunatic, of course, but by now the evidence, accumulated evidence, is already so much in my favor that I'm not taking any risks anymore. On the contrary, uh, there is scientific views expressed all over the world now that uh, the moon seems to be of a quite different nature of what was assumed. But the, the Americans and Russians are thinking of landing men on it. Uh, well, that will never happen. Not on the moon. On Mars, on Venus, on other planets, yes. But the moon is definitely, as I assert, a plasma. I'll put that full nine-minute thing in the uh, show notes, mm. too. I mean, If the, only it was plasma. <laughs> the problem with, um, well, yeah, I mean, the plasma, part of that, I don't know, the, bi the biggest problem with the moon being made of plasma is, like, you can see craters on it. So yeah. I don't know how that works. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I mean can, can, the moon's weird, though. It's weird. Like, why... Why is there so much titanium on the moon? There's more titanium, like, uh, at least from the samples we get, and at least from what they tell us, like, in, in, or from the moon, like the rock, it'll contain 10 times as much titanium as on Earth in, in the ore we extract titanium from. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. I always wonder like, like, if a there's anything bell. Like hollow, like the, the moon being hollow. I don't think so. Like, I mean, there, there's solid rock here on Earth that will ring when struck with a hammer, and it rings like a bell. Yeah, but and it's also, not hollow. But what about like all the? Isn't that where the reptil, the reptoids or the lizards live inside the moon? That'd be cool. I mean, it'd be cool if it was hollow. I don't think it is. I mean, but something's up with it. Like you know, ever since I tripped acid, I don't fully trust the moon anymore. <laughs> uh, no, no, something's up with dude, it. Dude, like hearing the moonlight was a. Uh, that has stuck with me, and it stuck with me afterward. That's the only aspect of the of the trip that is I've ever like felt like I was having a flashback with. 
because of the strychnine in LSD makes your muscles tense up, especially along my back and my neck. They were really tense afterward. But uh, and I, I tripped while it was a full moon. And so going outside, when I stepped in the fucking moonlight, I heard it. It was what like it sound like just all sound. It wasn't overwhelming. It wasn't loud. Um, so it wasn't something that would drive me insane had I stayed in it. It was just something I'd never heard before. Um, but it it sounded like a a mixture of all sorts of sound, like white noise, you know, from a TV set, um, but also unintelligible words and music. Um, a weird, and it it sounded, but it it sounded natural, you know, like the background noise you would hear when you go into a forest or something just like all the sounds all combined into a sound so if i had i didn't want to freak myself out and have a bad trip so i didn't stay out in it but if i had and i concentrated i probably could have picked out individual sounds just like you can anywhere else where you can you know your brain will filter out sound um but i was definitely hearing it because i didn't hear it when i was in the shadow or inside like on my porch didn't hear it. Step out into the moonlight. Fucking heard it. Stand in the shadow of this yeah. maple tree in my yard. Didn't hear it. Step out of the shadow into the moonlight. Fucking heard it. I was like, oh, this is fucking weird. Some kind of transmission. Uh, Maybe you could have tuned in. and Or a reflection. Like, I pondered it for a long time. Like, what it could be doing. Why Why it could be giving out this sound. And maybe, maybe it's reflecting, like, just like it reflects the sunlight. Maybe it's reflecting Earth sound right back at us. Um, huh. I don't know. I really don't. But for many months afterward, every full moon, if I was in the moonlight, I could hear it, but just barely. It was it wasn't near as loud as it was the first time. But each I subsequent never... time I still heard just like a little bit and I had that feeling in the back of my neck, that acid trip feeling. I was like, Oh shit, is am I am I about to have a flashback? <laughs> uh but no, it was never anything insane or overwhelming you know which is good i never noticed the uh that big giant cert perfect circle around the moon until i was on mushrooms one night and saw it and now i every time if i'm looking for it i can see it that huge uh like ring. the rainbow type circle just a perfect ring around the around the moon especially when it's full mm -hmm. you can you can see maybe three rings oh yeah 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 what is that and that's neat too like well that's all that's all uh fractional like those rings form at specific uh, uh, angles away from the moon itself, um, just like but on a is, cold what's winter. That? Is that like the light hitting well, the atmosphere or something? Or? Yeah, yeah, like water crystal. That's what they say anyway. The, like water crystals uh, in the air um, will be aligned at a certain angle, and then when the light hits it, it it creates that ring so many of degrees away from the moon. And it happens with the sunlight, too. On a really cold day, you'll see what they call the sun dogs. I said moon. I meant the sun. You'll you'll see sun dogs, and they'll be at, like, 23 and a half degrees outward from, from the sun. Um, that's what they say it's from, ice crystals uh, re refracting the light. Uh, the strangest thing, though, is um, the moon looking large on the horizon and then not as it's up in the air, away from the horizon. Supposedly that's um, a magnifying glass effect. Same with why it looks red. But it's not. But it's not. Because they, uh, 
they have these tools. They look like a spyglass or something. You know, you'd see a pirate use those old school spyglasses. And it's just a simple measuring device. It's got a grid on it. And so since the grid doesn't change, you know, and it doesn't change its distance from your eye, you can accurately measure the apparent size of things at a distance. Well, when you look at the moon with your eyes on the horizon, it looks fucking huge. You look at it through this spyglass type measuring device. It looks the same. It, it hits the grid lines in the same place on the horizon as it does up in the air. So that means it's not a magnification effect from the atmosphere because that's what they uh, initially thought that, well, the atmosphere is more dense on the horizon because you're looking through more of it. Uh, well, that's why it looks to, red, to right? Because the, the, the part dust and dirt. That is why it looks red, but that's not why it looks big. Huh. And then they were like, well, maybe it's it's our brains and perspective playing a trick on our brain. Like we know the size of trees and the size of buildings. We know they're big. But then we see the moon and then our brain goes, hmm, I know these things are big, but that thing's bigger. So let me make it look even bigger. But if that, that was the sense. case, if it was a perspective like mind trick sort of deal, then it wouldn't show up in photographs. And it shows up in photographs without doing any Photoshop trickery. Oh, good point. But so it's not it? a magnification effect from the atmosphere. Yeah. So what the fuck is it? Maybe it grows. Yeah, but then it would it would show up on that that measuring tool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> My brain hurts. <laughs> I know. So it's either something fucked up with the moon or something fucked up with photography. What if photography It's pronounced isn't... photography. Oh, right. Of course. What was I thinking? What if photography isn't the film recording what light is projected through the lens, but it's recorded what our mind is projecting? Damn. Hmm? I don't know. I don't, uh, shit, I don't know. That's why the Indians didn't want their pictures taken. Like, it's going to steal my fucking soul. Yeah. But, I mean, if that was true, every time I took a picture of a woman, their boobs would be bigger in the picture. Oh, good point. Yeah, same here. Huh. Huh. But, I mean, isn't that why fat chicks look skinny in pictures? Mental projection? Do they? Sometimes. It's all about the What angles. the heck's going on around here? <laughs> fat chicks. Yeah, I don't think so. I think, I thought I've always heard the camera adds 10 pounds. Oh, that's a video camera. Oh, the, the but so the so the photography camera takes away ten pounds. Oh, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I don't know what cameras do. I barely know what I do. I'll tell you what, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go smoke a cigarette. Word. I need to do the same thing, man. It's Gilbert Gottfried, and I just watched that podcast, Abe and a Six-Pack, and it was the worst. It was the worst shit I've ever watched. It just shows anybody can have a podcast, and uh, even by those standards of anyone having a podcast, uh, this one was shit. It's like, uh, it's stupid, it's boring, it's a waste of time. And, uh, you know, there are two-year-olds with podcasts that are more worthwhile listening to than that. It, it's just, uh, don't waste your time. Really, really avoid it like the plague. Abs in a six-pack! A-B-S-N-A-6, the number, P-A-C-K dot com.